What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Friday, November 27th, Black Friday. I'm not shopping. I'm freaking working, baby. And there is a lot of work to do uh, because we have some moving parts this week. A lot of moving parts, in fact. So we're going to break down the remaining games for you here. And I hope it was a pleasant Thanksgiving for you. I'm very thankful to be doing this job. So hopefully you enjoyed that football yesterday. Of course, we had one fewer game. And we'll talk about the Baltimore Ravens game. Yay. Yay. Uh, that'll be coming up here in a second. We'll leave with that before I dive into the games, all of those moving parts. But before that, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, There are no salary caps. You don't have to play against the Sharks. That means anyone has a chance of winning, even you. MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, eSports, and, of course, football. MonkeyNightFight has it all. They really do. And you know what else? MonkeyNightFight.com has a free $5 game for you just for signing up. If you use the promo code RANT, R-A-N-T, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50. I like deposit matches. I like $50 extra. So I like this. Promo code RANT. With a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. And go check it out right now with that promo code RANT. All right, so let's talk about this Baltimore Ravens movement here. Uh, the game was initially moved, the Ravens-Steelers game was initially moved from Thursday night, last night, until uh, Sunday, and it was going to be a one fifteen start, which I don't, I have no idea why, <laughs> but a one fifteen Eastern start, but now it is now, it is being moved to Tuesday, I figured that was going to happen when the Ravens, you know, John Harbaugh said, we're not going to be in the building until at least Monday, so Tuesday... Another Tuesday football game this year, if it in fact happens. Uh, of course, we we need the Ravens to not have a whole bunch of positive tests here for this to go down. Uh, regardless, that caused a ripple effect because the Ravens were scheduled to play on Thursday in Week 13. So now that game is moved uh, until Monday, uh, December 7th at 5 p.m. So Week 13, Monday we now have two games on the NFL schedule and two games that have the potential to impact us because there are a lot of fantasy-relevant players in these games. So it's Dallas and the Ravens, lots of fantasy-relevant players there. And then the second game is Buffalo and San Francisco. Maybe not as many on the San Francisco side, but definitely you know, a lot of folks with Josh Allen maybe in the playoff hunt, Stephon Diggs, etc. So there's going to be a lot of playoff spots that are won or lost on Monday, more so than than we ordinarily have uh, because there are two games. It's pretty pivotal this year. So that's what we have as of right now uh, with those contests. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Anyway, I want to dive into these games for you here. Uh, We are going to start with Las Vegas Raiders and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Only the Seahawks are allowing more passing yards per game than the Falcons. We know it's a phenomenal matchup. So Derek Carr is in play as a priority streamer this week. 
Uh, the Falcons are also a phenomenal matchup for tight ends. So, you know, Derek Carr's best wide receiver plays tight end, and his name is Darren Waller. He's a stud. I like him in DFS as, as you know, you can pay down because of wide receiver this week. So I'm going to pay up at tight end. It's going to be Darren Waller actually over Travis Kelsey, and he's a little bit cheaper on DK. Uh, so there you go. Um, believe it or not, the Falcons are actually relatively tough to uh, opposing or tough on opposing running backs. 66 and a half rushing yards per game is all they're giving up, but it doesn't matter for Josh Jacobs. I'm not going to overthink it and create some crazy narrative here. Uh, he is still obviously a tremendous play. So in terms of the passing game, I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at Nelson Aguilar. I think you could use him in DFS, but I'm not trying to, to just slap him into uh, my season-long lineups. I'm just not crazy about him as anything more than a flex. Even though the matchup's great, I get it, but not going uh, that far. Uh, as of now, here's what I know about Todd Gurley, and you may know more by the time you listen to this, but I do know a thing or two. So he did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He was not seen at the media portion of practice, which typically is an indicator that he didn't practice today on Friday. If he didn't practice on Friday, he didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, he's not going to play. I mean, they may play a coy and call him a game-time decision, but he will be very much on the wrong side of questionable. Uh, interestingly enough, I'd noted this a couple times this week, Brian Hill out-snapped him last week. Maybe that's why. Maybe the, it was something that was acting up on him last week. Uh, Brian Hill, if you're listening to this and Brian Hill is still out there in your leagues, you should go pick him up. Uh, he is a must-add. Even if Gurley ends up playing, it's still a, a worthy add. Uh, and if Gurley ends up playing, you could ultimately, you know, if you, if on Sunday morning at 11.30 Eastern you find out Gurley's playing, all right, fine, you drop Ryan Hill, whatever, pick up somebody else, or you just keep stashing him. But I think he's an RB2 play, especially given this matchup if Gurley doesn't play. Opposing backfield scoring 1.2 rushing scores per game, and uh, that is tied for the second most in the league, fourth most fantasy points per game allowed. We're also keeping an eye on Julio Jones. Uh, he was not spotted at the media portion of practice as well. We knew that was going to come down to a game-time decision. I don't think that he plays. Just throwing that out there. So that would mean a lot of targets for Calvin Ridley if that, in fact, did happen. I don't have any other uh, information for you at this point. But, you know, Damon Arnett, Trayvon Mullen on the outside, that's an advantage for Ridley big time, and he could see some heavy heavy volume. Uh, moving on to the Chargers and Buffalo Bills. Justin Herbert has been awesome. 34 end zone throws this season, and that is uh, tied for third uh, in the league. And I know you're not in a points per end zone throw league, but the thing about end zone throws is those are your highest percentage throws in terms of converting to touchdowns. That is freaking important. And so they translate to fantasy value. That's what they do. So that's why I chart that number. And, and Herbert is really freaking good. <laughs> really good, man. This is a great game. This is a showcase of young talent. I'm so impressed by these young quarterbacks. I, 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 and I got, a, I got a doozy of a staff for Josh Allen on the other side. But that in a minute. Hunter Hendry had three end zone targets last week. And Buffalo is the number two fantasy matchup for the position. So let me do the math here. Oh, yeah. Henry's a good play. There you go. I'm not counting on Austin Eckler to be back. Anthony Lynn said there's a chance, but there is some interesting news here. So, Kalen Blage is actually questionable. 
I don't know if we can necessarily bank on him playing. I don't think we can bank on Austin Eckler being back. And if Eckler isn't back, then it comes down to Troy Main Pope and Joshua Kelly. And given the way that that Kelly has fallen out of favor, Troy Main Pope could could be a sneaky flex option here in this contest. That is that should be a high scorer. Uh, as far as wide receivers, I love Keenan Allen's matchup against uh, Teron Johnson in the slot. I do not expect Tredavious White to shadow Keenan Allen. Allen spends about half of his time in the slot. It would be rather uncharacteristic to have White shadow a slot receiver. So that means Mike Williams will see White and Levi Wallace. I don't think White actually shadows Williams either because that means half the time, you know, Keenan Allen's going to be on the outside. A little over a quarter of his routes will be against Tredavious White. So I think that's how they play it here. Um, so a little bit of a downgrade there from Mike Williams, but you know he has the deep ball, deep ball upside. On the other side, speaking of deep balls, Josh Allen has attempted a league-high 73 passes of 20-plus yards. The next most is 55 from Aaron Rodgers. Those deep ball passes translate to upside. I love it. Chargers have been very kind to opposing quarterbacks. Casey Hayward is going to be out in this one. So, you know, matchup upgrade for Stephon Diggs. Love Diggs in this one. Love him. Uh, the Chargers are also pretty friendly to opposing running backs. Third most yards per carry, 4.8. I don't think it's enough to push Zach Moss into RB2 territory, but he's definitely a flex in this contest. Giants and the Bengals. Danny Dimes. Stop with this Danny Nichols stuff. I'm going to start calling him Danny Quarters. Danny Half Dollars. <laughs> I can't I can't call him Danny Silver Dollars. That's just stupid. I, they're all stupid, but whatever. Stop with the Danny Nichols thing. He's trending up before the buy. That's why it's like that kind of frustrating to me because I, I think that his play has kind of gone it's gone unnoticed and and people focus on the the trip against the Eagles. But generally speaking, the dude's been a fringe quarterback one since week five, week six. And the Bengals are a good matchup. Second most passing scores allowed per game. They're tied for that number with 2.2. So Daniel Jones, who? (laughs) Daniel Jones is a streamer option. I'm going to use him in a two-quarterback league for sure, but he's a streamer option this week if you're in a pinch at the position. Like if you said Ryan Tannehill or Daniel Jones, it's Daniel Jones this week. Uh, Opposing backfields average you 5.2 yards per carry against Cincinnati. So Wayne Gallman's like boring, but I guess he's better than being the East Coast David Montgomery and he scores touchdowns, so he's an RB2 this week. Uh, as far as the wideouts are concerned, I'd say it's more neutral for Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. I, I think William Jackson is, is you know, he's intimidating to a degree, but the overall state of the secondary isn't too particularly intimidating. So I put them in neutral territory. If I had to choose one, it's Shepard. He's more of a wide receiver three. Slayton's close, and it wouldn't surprise me if he had a big game here. I just don't want to bank on that. You know, when I look at these games for season-long fantasy purposes, I'm saying to myself, all right, who's more likely, if we play this game a thousand times, who's more likely to score more fantasy points most frequently? And it is Shepard. Now, who has the highest possible total? It's probably Slayton, but I don't want to play for highest possible total because you know what happens when you try and swing for the fences, you're more likely to strike out. And I don't want to strike out in week 12. I want to get as many I want to squeeze as many possible points as I can out of my roster without uh just going completely, you know, contrarian GPP style on, you know, that doesn't work. It doesn't even really work in in DFS. 
and it certainly doesn't work in season-long lineups. Uh, favorable matchup on the other side for the Bengals' backfield. The Giants allowing the seventh most fantasy points per game to running backs. So we don't know if Geo is going to play, but I'll tell you this. The concussion protocol, part of the steps is first step, or not for the first step, but one of the steps is you have to get a limited practice in, and then after that, you basically have to get a full con- a contact practice in. So a non-contact and a full contact. Giovanni Bernard on Thursday went limited. Today he was full. That, to me, indicates he will be back on the field. So if you picked up Samaj P. Ryan, I think you could cut him loose and then pick somebody else up. Uh, it's not a bad matchup here for Bernard, but I just don't know how well they move the football with Brandon Allen under center. As far as uh, matchups, though, I don't mind Tyler Boyd this week. Honestly, I'm going to be starting him uh, as a wide receiver three play. I think he'll see decent amount of volume. The matchup is good out of the slot against the Giants. And really, the matchup is bad for A.J. Green. I expect him to get the shadow. And T. Higgins, I I'm, I don't want to drop T. Higgins, but I don't want to start him this week. He's a flex option if you had to, but I really wouldn't like that. Uh, Tennessee, Indianapolis, we only have to go back two weeks for the last time these teams met each other. Derrick Henry went up over a hunch in that game against a really good Colts defense. So... I mean, hey, he's been awesome. He has 11 runs of 15-plus yards. Only two players have more, and neither one of them plays running back. It's Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. So Henry's just been, you know, tremendous. The problem with him is he doesn't do anything in the passing game, so if he doesn't score a touchdown, his PPR box score is not, or his PPR line is not really that good. The one way, one way you could potentially eliminate or mitigate that a little bit, not eliminate it, but, um, you know, kind of minimize the impact uh, there of not scoring a touchdown, would you be to give him a bonus? Like, I'm in leagues where you do get a bonus for 100, you get a bonus for 200 rushing yards, it's a bigger bonus. Uh, same thing with, like, receiving yards and then passing yards, 300, 400, 500, you get bonuses. Um, it's a nice little wrinkle. I, I don't mind it. You know, I know there's some purists out there who don't like the bonus point thing, but whatever. I mean, I guess it's just one, it's one way. So in my PPR league where, you know, when Henry faced the Colts in non-PPR, uh, Derrick Henry in that game, so he goes up over 100 rushing yards, right? Which is saying something against that Colts defense. So he goes up over 100 rushing yards, and it was 103 to be precise. Uh, he had one catch for six yards in that game. So that is what, uh, uh, 11.9 fantasy points? My my home league, it's full PPR, but you get three bonus points for going up over 100. So he scores 14.9. He goes from being a somewhat eh, to, all right, I'll take it. You know, it, it's not, it, it doesn't completely change your, your opinion of uh, the fantasy performance, but it does help a little bit. So just throwing that out there. I don't mind it. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I do mind this week. Can't start him in one quarterback league. This, uh, it's the number 30 matchup, so third worst matchup for quarterbacks. This Colts defense is the real deal. And I'll be very careful with Jonu Smith. I know Robert Tunyon got in the end zone last week against this Colts defense, but they're still the fourth worst fantasy matchup for tight ends. As far as A.J. Brown is concerned, it is a downgrade for him in this one. Xavier Rhodes isn't going to shadow him, but he's going to face more of Xavier Rhodes. And that was my concern two weeks ago, and it ended up being right. You know, totally justified to have that concern. Xavier Rhodes did a nice job against him. So only that one catch. I don't think we have a repeat 
I'm still going to start him as a, as a wide receiver too, but it is a downgrade. I would not be looking at him in DFS. I think Corey Davis is kind of interesting. You know, could we see you know more of Corey Davis here if AJ Brown does? You know, and they and and again, AJ Brown is going to see uh, Xavier Rhodes on roughly half of his routes. So that's it's not exactly optimal. And in that other in that game uh, in Week Ten. Davis had five catches for 67 yards. Now, it doesn't sound like a great game, but, I mean, when you look at in he had five for 113 last week. He did have a goose egg in week nine against the Bears, but then week eight, he had eight for 128 and a score. Uh, the week before that, too, he had 10 targets, caught six only for 35, but got in the end zone as well. I mean, overall, this has been a pretty decent season for Corey Davis. You know, pretty solid overall. I... I, I I'd be hesitant to start him as anything more than a uh, flex option in season long, though. Uh, on the other side, I really only want to talk about the backfield. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a downgrade for Michael Pittman. I'm going to use him as a flex option. I don't want to squeeze him in as a wide receiver three uh, just yet. And I know I said the same thing last week, but I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. <laughs> Famous last words. But I really want to focus on the backfield because here's how the touches broke down last week. Jonathan Taylor, 26. Sure, just like we drew it up. Naheem Hines, 9. Jordan Wilkins, 5. Taylor finally looked like the player we thought he was going to be. He is what we thought he was. Not really. He hasn't been for most of the season. And the last time these two teams faced each other, we saw Naeem Hines go bonkers. 12 carries a season high for 70 yards and a score. Five catches for 45 and a score. So what do we do here? Last week would say Taylor reluctantly as a back-end RB2. Hines is a flex. And I am going to flex. I'm a man of my word. I am going to flex Hines in a league. And Wilkins is the odd man out uh, for now. <laughs> of course, it cut to me on Monday saying, yeah, Jordan Wilkins had 20 touches. You know, cut to that. Anyway, that's how I'm playing it. Uh, Carolina and Minnesota on the Carolina side, you know, mid-pack matchup sort of across the board. Mike Davis with no Christian McCaffrey is a high-volume RB1, back-end RB1. But, you know, the wideouts are a little tricky. DJ Moore, 11 targets last week. Curtis Samuel, 10. Robbie Anderson, 9. But I do think it's more Anderson than Samuel. And they're all still top 36 options for me against this secondary. So I think you could start any one of them. I don't want to start two of them. It's not like a Pittsburgh Steelers situation from the last couple weeks where, yes, you could get away with starting two of them. I don't think I would go that far uh, with the Panthers right now. So a little bit tricky uh, there. Um, but like the matchup, definitely like the matchup. On the other side, I got to say Adam Thielen does not look like he's going to play. Uh, we had heard that he had tested negative, but he's still on the COVID list. And Jeremy Fowler tweeting out right before I got on the podcast here that he is not looking likely to play. So that's not good. But it is good if you have Justin Jefferson. She, he should see a heavy workload in this one. Uh, so Justin Jefferson moves up to a being a top 10 play. And Dalvin Cook, by the way, is going to go effing bonkers in this one. He's going to go nuts. So get your popcorn ready. Uh, Arizona, New England, whether we like it or not, Kenyon Drake is the lead back. It is boring. It is frustrating. But he is an RB2. The Patriots are the number 24 matchup, so it, it's not a good matchup for Drake, but he's going to see enough volume to be an RB2. I would not use Drake and Chase Edmonds in the same lineup. I'm only going to use Drake if I roster both of them. Larry Fitzgerald tested positive for COVID-19. He's not going to play this week, so we'll get a long look at Andy Isabella. He's obviously appealing at just $3,000 on DK, 
But in season long, no way. Um, DeAndre Hopkins will very likely get Gilmore. Not worried about DeAndre Hopkins this week. In season long especially, not worried there. Uh, it's more neutral. It's a downgrade of a matchup for Hopkins, no doubt about it. But it's more neutral for Christian Kirk. J.C. Jackson has a bunch of interceptions, a bunch of PBUs, right, pass breakups. But are we that intimidated by him? No, he's been prone to give up some big plays. Uh, so not worried there. On the other side, Cam Newton, just eight end zone throws this season. Just 13 passes of more than 20 yards in the air. So Josh Allen has 60 more. <laughs> 60. That's a part, big reason why Cam isn't putting up massive numbers. Because with his legs, he's doing a good job. With his legs, he's doing a good job. There's no complaint there. He's still a fringe quarterback one. But just don't expect much with his arm. I think we kind of know that at this point. Um matchup downgrade for Demir Bird. I expect him to see some, you know plenty of Patrick Peterson. Maybe not a shadow, but plenty of them. Whereas Jacoby Myers out of the slot against Byron Murphy. I like that. Uh, Damian Harris, still an RB2. I'm curious to see if his role does expand in the passing game here with no Rex Burkhead. Miami and the Jets, Savon Ahmed is not going to play this week. Miles Gaskin technically is not uh, activated from injured reserve. He's designated to return, but not activated. So if he is not activated, it's Matt Breda and Patrick Laird, which is no no appeal there whatsoever. In that case, the only player I would want to play would be Devontae Parker. Uh, it's a great matchup for Tua, but I just can't trust him after last week, unfortunately. Uh, that performance was not pretty. Uh, on the other side, and we'll keep our eye peeled. So it, Gaskin is an RB2 if he comes back, by the way. Uh, it's mid-pack matchup sort of across the board on the other side. I want to see Sam Darnold throw the ball downfield to Denzel Mims and Prashad Perryman. I don't like their matchups. Xavier Howard playing good football. Byron Jones on the other side. No thank you. But I at least want to, I'm going to keep an eye on that. If there's only one receiver to play here. It's Jamison Crowder. Nick Needham out of the slot. <laughs> thank you, sir. May I have another? And Frank Gore, no thank you. Just so such a low ceiling. Uh, but even though he'll be the lead back, and it's not the worst matchup, I just can't get behind playing him in season-long leagues. Unless you're ultra-desperate, and even then, <laughs> I might take take my chances elsewhere. Cleveland and Jacksonville, I, I've mentioned this on Twitter today, but I'll throw it out there again. Over the last two weeks, Kareem Hunt has nine red zone carries, four goal line carries. Nick Chubb has two red zone carries and zero goal line carries over that same span. And this is something that actually tracks through the whole season as well. So in games where they were on the field together, so remember Chubb up to week four, uh, Nick Chubb has 13 red zone carries, four goal line carries. Kareem Hunt has 24 red zone carries and eight goal line carries. So there are basically... If you exclude the last two games, they were still being used basically about even. It's interesting. Now, I know the Chubb supporters are going to immediately re- have a rebuttal for this. And and I know, like, yes, he was out for a goal line series because he allegedly uh, lost a contact, which is annoying. As a contact wearer myself, I know what that's like. But it's definitely very annoying. But the numbers across the season are still somewhat eye-opening here. Like, it's not – you would think that Chubb would just be the clear – Red zone back, and he's not. He's not at all. It's it's really fascinating. Now, all of that aside, they're both RB1s this week. And this is one of the rare instances. If I had both of those guys, I actually would start both running backs from the same team. It's like one of the very few instances there. Uh, I don't mind the matchup for Jarvis here, but Jarvis disappeared last week, so we have to just be careful on him. 
DJ Chark is out. Mike Glennon is going to be the starter. Do I really need to do any analysis here? <laughs> I mean, James Robinson, and that's it, right? 20.3 touches per game. That's it. Yeah. I mean, start the Browns defense. Glennon. There you go. Uh, New Orleans, Denver, Taysom. Was good last week for fantasy purposes, and really it's because of his legs. I don't care that he faced Atlanta. He's going to continue to produce. He's a top 10 play this week. Uh, Jared Cook, by the way, got out-snapped by Adam Troutman. I know I mentioned that earlier in the week on the pod. Uh, Jared Cook is completely droppable. As far as the matchups, it's more neutral for Michael Thomas and Manny Sanders in this one. I, I think that... Um, you know, Michael Thomas, you're viewing as a, a front-end or a wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential, basically. Uh, it's a full-blown committee in the Denver backfield. Last week, Lindsey, 16 carries, Gordon, 15. That plus this matchup. The Saints are the worst fantasy matchup for running backs entering this week. That makes it very tricky to trust Melvin Gordon as anything more than a flex option. Uh, Jerry Judy getting targeted heavily downfield. 622 air yards over the last four weeks. I get it. You are not in a points per air yard league. Trust me, I get it. Air yards are an indicator of opportunity. And the opportunity is there for Judy. The higher that number, the greater the chance that you could see an explosive game. Now, Drew Locke, that's that's another story entirely. And I don't, you know, this is more of a DFS thing because I think Judy's a flex option really for season long. But using him, it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a, any given week where Judy went for like a buck eighty and two or three scores. It would not surprise me. So I keep putting him in lineups just for that sheer potential. The air yards are off the charts. They really are. And I know, uh, not in a points per air yard league. Okay, we get that. That's not why we're bringing that up. You know, I'm using these numbers as indicators. That's really all it is. San Francisco and the Rams. The Rams' pass defense has been pretty good. 219.8 net passing yards per game. That is third fewest in the league. You're not playing Nick Mullins. You're not playing Nick Mullins, I know. But I really wouldn't be that confident using any piece of the 49ers wide receiver core against the Rams. The Rams are also the fifth worst fantasy matchup for running backs. At this point, when I'm recording this, I have not seen anything about Raheem Mostert being activated or Jeff Wilson and I think there are a lot of people out there who simply are assuming that Raheem Mostert is back I don't know if that's a safe assumption at this point he is practicing he is but that's all so until he's activated we cannot safely assume that uh, we're good to go with him so there you go on that Um, but if if either one of them is back there are still RB2 options this week on the other side the passing game it's just as bad uh, the 49ers, second fewest net passing yards per game, 219.6, second fewest fantasy points per game. Jared Goff is on the bench this week. And we really can't trust the backfield because of the three-headed monster, because the matchup is bad. It's the fourth worst matchup for running backs. So I'm not trusting any Rams running backs. Really, we're just going to Bob Woods and Cooper Cup. That's really all we can trust this week. As I'm recording this breaking news, Todd Gurley is officially out. So no surprise there. Uh, Brian Hill will probably be picked up by the time you hear this podcast. So hopefully you saw my tweet earlier before the news came out when I said to pick up Brian Hill. Uh, Brian Hill is a very interesting option this week now. Uh, So giddy up there. Giddy up, baby. Um, 
we have only a couple more games left. Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Bucks run defense allowing 52.9 rushing yards per game. So that's not great for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's more of an RB2 play this week. You can't trust Lev Bell. And otherwise, you're trusting everybody else. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, of course, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, of course, you're trusting the usual suspects. On the other side, the Chiefs are the 12th best fantasy matchup for running backs. But... I don't think we can just go, oh, okay, upgrade Ron Jones. Who? Ron Jones. No, we can't. Because if the Bucks get behind, we're going to see more Leonard Fournette than Ronald Jones. So Ronald Jones could be the play. He certainly could be. But he is far from a lock. Like, they got to get out to a lead. So he's a risky RB2. Fournette's more of a risky flex. There you go. Uh, Chicago Green Bay, the Bears allowing the and and by the way, I I don't mind the matchup for Chris Godwin. Um, and I, I mean I think you 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 know how to view the Bucks wideouts right now, right? Godwin and Evans are like fringy wide receiver twos. I think Godwin's the best play this week, and then Antonio Brown's more of a wide receiver three. The Bears allowing the second lowest completion rate, uh, only 1.2 passing scores per game, but who cares if you have Aaron Rodgers? And really, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, just start the usual suspects. So Rodgers, Adams, Jones, sure, and nobody really beyond that in this one. On the other side, Mitchell Trubisky will be back under center, but I don't care if I have Allen Robinson. He's still going to be just fine. Uh, Green Bay has been really, really friendly to opposing running backs. Second most fantasy points per game to the position, but man, has David Montgomery shown us anything? That we would, you know, we would upgrade him. No, he's still an RB two. I mean, he's going to see plenty of volume, so he's still an RB two. But that's all we can do there. Seattle and Philly. Russell Wilson, thirty passing scores. Right, he's thrown the ball to the end zone forty five times this season. That leads all passers. He's going to have no problem here. We're keeping an eye on Chris Carson, whether or not he gets back on the field. I only have a Thursday practice report where he was limited. That's a good sign. He'll be an RB2 play, but the Eagles are only allowing 3.4 yards per carry to opposing backfield. So just an RB2. Uh, DK Metcalf should, should, should see a shadow in this one. Say that three times quickly. From Darius Slay, I don't care. I don't think Slay has enough to contain him. And I actually love the matchup out of the slot for Tyler Lockett. You know, you go after uh, uh, the slot here, Nickel Roby Coleman, not bad. And, and, you know, Russ had no problem against the Eagles last year. Carson Wentz is second in the league with 3,360 air yards. We've already established you do not play in a points per air yard league. But it's a high number. And when I think about that against a defense that allows 355.8 net passing yards per game, I think... All right, I'm going to do it one more time. I may be a glutton for punishment, but Carson Wentz is a streamer this week. Zach Ertz will be, it's very likely Zach Ertz will be back. It's not, I don't have news that he's officially back just yet, uh, but it is very likely he will be on the field. And that really doesn't change anything if I have Dallas Goddard, which in fact I do. Goddard is an every down player. He remains a top 10 fantasy tight end. Seattle, 3.6 yards per carry, but they're allowing one rushing score per game, so Miles Sanders is going to be just fine. I do think it's tough to trust Travis Fulgham right now. As far as the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game, Lamar won't play this week, but he could be back next week, by the way. that Moving that game back to Monday actually helps him out a lot. Uh, it won't be uh, uh, Trace McSorley because he's also on the COVID list, so it's Robert Griffin. The matchup is brutal. There's no appeal there. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram not playing. Gus Edwards, the matchup is brutal. He He's going to be a top 25 play because of volume, but I don't really like Like if you said Brian Hill or Gus Edwards, it's Brian Hill. 
and um, really nothing to see there for the wideouts. On the other side, it is a tough matchup. I mean, James Conner looked good last week, broke out of the slump even though he got vultured. But man, Baltimore, second fewest rushing scores per game, just .4 rushing scores per game. So it's a tough matchup for Connor. He's more of a RB2 play this week. The secondary is good, as we know, in Baltimore. And I really think that we continue to play it as it was basically distributed last week. So here's the target distribution last week. Deontay Johnson, 16. Chase Claypool, 8. Juju Smith-Schuster, 5. So there you go. I prefer Johnson. He's a wide receiver too. Claypool's like a fringe wide receiver too. Juju's a wide receiver three. And that's how I'm playing it this week. Um, and this week becomes a little bit trickier. Like, do you want to play two of these guys in the same lineup? The last few weeks I've said yes. I, I'd i be reluctant, to, especially if it was Juju along with the other guys. I think I'd put Juju on the bench. I just don't want to overload on a game that you know could potentially be low scoring. Now, if I have these guys, am I going to bank on the fact that this game is actually going to happen? Well, here's the deal. As of today, it's scheduled for Tuesday. But by the time you have to make your start sit decisions on Sunday morning, you know, even Sunday afternoon if you're on the East Coast, right before the one o'clock games, you're gonna have Saturday's testing, right? So we'll know if there are more positive tests in Baltimore. And then Sunday's testing likely we'll get some information there as well. So if we see no positive tests on Saturday and Sunday, then I think you're good to go with just keeping your Steelers and and whoever, if you're going to use any Ravens in your starting lineup. If we see positive tests, though, that that that's a if there's positive tests on Saturday, it's going to be really hard for that game to happen on on Tuesday. If there's positive tests on Saturday and Sunday, it's not going to happen on Tuesday. So just throwing that out there. I'll, I'll try and update on my my Twitter feed, at uh, Jeff Ratcliffe. And of course, I'm at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. You can use the hashtag Rat Pack. Of course, head on over to FTNFantasy.com. Go check out all the goodness over there, including the report, my game-by-game breakdown with a lot of the information you just heard here. You get it. It's a nice little reference point to go back to. Uh, and check on you know all these different nuggets of information for your guys on your various fantasy rosters. That's at ftnfantasy.com. Also, we do have the contest going on to celebrate. Uh, I'm going to give back to you. So we have a little contest. You just have to promote the, the show on Twitter. So hashtag the rant, hashtag rat pack, and link off to the show, whether it's linking off to it on Apple or Spotify or however. And we're giving away we'll have a little giveaway here some swag some rant swag to the most creative way of promoting the show and i honestly hey you can say it's great but you could also say that it completely sucks even if you don't think that it does you could say that (laughs) you definitely could uh make me laugh be creative have fun with that i have seen a couple entries already but in order to do it you have to officially do it either on twitter or on instagram to be officially entered in And please keep reviewing the podcast if you haven't already. If you have an iPhone, it's really easy. Open up the Apple Podcast app. Go to my podcast, The Rant. Scroll to the bottom. Click the stars. That's it. You're done. All right. I'm going to catch you on the flip side of the weekend. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be staring down the final week of the fantasy football regular season. We'll recap all the action for you. Uh, So enjoy it, baby. I will catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.